Hello, everyone. Welcome to Harmonic Heart, where a music blog dedicated to showcasing musicians' stories and talent. I'm your host, Chris Millette. I'm excited to have indie rock band After the Martyrs on today for an interview. Yeah, welcome, y'all. Hi. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, so we have... Hi. Yeah, the duo consists of Brenna Carroll and um, Paco Galazar. Brenna is on songwriting and vocals, and Paco is on electric, acoustic, and bass guitars. The band is based in Silver Spring, Maryland, and Brenna is originally from Northwest Indiana, and Paco is originally from Ecuador. Yeah, so, um, you know, so we met at Just Rock Enterprises Open Mic. Yeah, and, um, you know, you two opened with a cover of Kate Bush's song, James and the Cold Gun. And when I heard Paco's guitar switch over to the distortion, I got really excited because I was like, oh, man, they're playing indie rock. Indie rock is one of my favorite genres. A lot of my music, a considerable amount, comes out of indie rock. Um, so, yeah, I was excited that we were able to connect in and to do this interview here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and another, and I mentioned this at the the open mic, but I, you know, enjoy your, like the quality of your voice, Brenda, and like your vocal melodies, the flutters you do. And Thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like it's, you know, unique and um, entertaining and you have like an animated performance <laughs> style as well. Um, yeah, that's really fun. Um, yeah, and it, and it complements the story of the songs you, you sing about. So, yeah. So, you know, I think a nice place to start would be, you know, how did you two meet and form the band? So, I briefly... A friend of ours. <laughs> yeah, it was a friend of ours connected us. I briefly went to social work school um, for a semester, and I sat oh. next to this girl in class, and she was friends with Paco, so she introduced us. Oh, interesting. So was the introduction like, oh, like both of you do music, so you should connect or how how that Yeah, go? yeah, pretty much. Hmm. We're hiking. Um we all like hiking quite a bit. Like there's some trails near here and so we just went got together and walked through the woods for a while. Um and then we started jamming from there. Oh sweet. Oh yeah, that's awesome. You know, connecting in nature and then over music too. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yeah. What brought each of you to DC? Okay, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can come first. Uh, what brings me to here to DC? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I um, DC for me is like um, really good, rich in culture. It has a lot of different art and cultures around, and let us appreciate everything. So that makes me come close to the city and enjoy what the city, in this case, DC, give to people to go to free um, museums and all this art around. So I like this, um, being connected a little closer to the big city. Mm, Yeah, I agree. That's one of the things I love most about DC too, all the culture and, and art and, you know, free access we have um, to so many yeah, cultural things. Um, so I, as, as you mentioned, I'm from Northwest Indiana. It's near Chicago. It's the suburb of Chicago. So mm-hmm. I lived there until I was 18. But then I came to GW five years ago for college. Mm-hmm. And I just have stayed since then. Um, as Pac kind of mentioned, uh, D.C. is a little more, nothing against Indiana, just there's more going on uh, mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, sweet, sweet. Bands and music and stuff like that. Lots mm. of people. Mm. Mm. You know, so I was doing, you know, some research and it seems like, you know, you're more than a songwriter, Brenna. Can you talk to us about your short story, um, sure. After the Martyrs, and how that relates to the band? Yes, yeah, so the name for the band comes from a short story I wrote, I want to say sophomore year of college. Um, I was taking a creative writing class and um, I had to write this story and I procrastinated because um, we all had to write stories and then like the class would read them as a group. Oh. And I procrastinated big time. And so I waited till the night before and wrote this story. And it's about a nun who is an ascetic, which means she it was a medieval nun, I should be specific. Um, and asceticism is kind of like, uh, like intentional self-denial for the, the purpose of like higher spiritual, like reaching spiritual heights. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was really popular in the middle ages. And, um, I wrote my thesis in college on medieval female saints. So I'm just really interested in the subject. So Mm -hmm. it's about her, um, and her experience with that and how she kind of turns away from a self-destructive path, um, in, in favor of a path that will like allow her to live and flourish a little more um so um that's where that comes from but I love writing short stories I write poems I write songs um just something I really enjoy oh okay yeah how'd you um get into first starting to write you know poems and songs and yeah just writing Um, I I started in high school like a few one of the songs we performed um I definitely wrote in high school um just as a way to like you know, poetry is almost like a world in which things that don't fully make sense in our world can make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you know, things can be very tangential or, um, you know, like uh, metaphors kind of come to life in poetry is what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say. And it's a world Mm -hmm. in which they can exist and make sense. And so that's always just been something I really enjoyed. um, And it's a really good creative outlet for me. Mm, Interesting. Interesting. Um, Yeah. So you're saying, you know, you can use metaphors and, and you can kind of juxtapose different ideas and kind of have the what's said and what's unsaid um, kind of speak for itself and, and come through. In the yeah, world. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, that's that's something I like about poetry, too. Um, what and what about songs? Um, was it kind of a the same around the same time, the the same motivations as well? So I actually never started doing anything musical really until quarantine started. Um, I started taking lessons and learning to play keyboard and stuff. And so Mm. um, I had written a lot of poems and a lot of them kind of have become, well, a few of them have become songs. There's a few songs I've written specifically as songs, but many of them were poems first. And so like Be Quiet My Restless Mind or Shut Up You Heartless Head um, that I did write in high school and it was a song then, but I couldn't really figure out a way to like, perform it myself so that more came along in quarantine the actual like the actualization of these songs I guess or the transformation Mm -hmm. from poetry to song okay so are you taking like piano lessons are you learning online or how's it lessons yeah I have a really great teacher and um it's like on the computer so um my Alexa uh responds to the word computer so I was unplugged Uh, real quick before talking (laughs) But she's been teaching me music. Um, the teacher's been teaching me music theory stuff too, so that helps with like keyboard and writing songs on the keyboard and stuff. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's that's really cool. Um, so you said it's um, piano lessons. Did you say voice lessons as voice well? Voice lessons, or? yeah. Oh, voice it's lessons. Primarily voice lessons, yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Wow. 
Um, yeah, Paco, you know, I'm curious, how did you get into playing guitar and bass and getting musical? <laughs> okay, well, everything started when I was really young. Mm-hmm. Um, not too young, probably like 13, 14. Mm-hmm. I wish it started earlier, but when I was 13 or 14, I got like this kind of like a music instrument around and I was just playing and I was like involved in music and then thanks to the school I got a teacher for music and then in the other school I got another teacher so I was like getting like a little information from them the way like I supposed to start and um, immediately I get into music uh, and I choose the guitar um, for me to be uh, close to people who plays guitar at that time, it was really important. And so I got like close to different guitar players that were like, kind of like really good at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, then I start teaching myself, like, you know, like I would not come out just staying at the house, just playing, you know, like guitar and stuff like that. But yeah, now all this, um, you know, all this time playing music is like really I enjoy a lot, and mm, yeah, that is how I start playing guitar. Um, yeah, um, that's yeah, that's interesting. Um, it's funny how guitar can do that. Like when I was in high school, I had a lot of friends that played guitar, and I started learning. So it's we would all kind of sit around the circle and go around, and you know, we learned a lot, you know, from each other. Um, what type of songs and genres were you learning on guitar when you first started and has that evolved um um, no actually unfortunately in south america was a little um different um everything that we saw like in the radio then in tv over here it was the most popular stuff but yeah i got into the beatles immediately to media and and then Led Zeppelin and I stuck with the Doors. I did my first band when I was 16. Um, mm-hmm. I play at this school. Uh, one song of the Doors, just like my fire, because that is all the time we had it. Only one day to do the show. Oh, wow. and we we play like my fire from the Doors, and then I start playing the Doors. Mm-hmm. And heavy metal was involved, mm-hmm. and like Iron Maiden, Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um, but immediately pick up with a good guitar player, which is like Joyce Satriani, Jimi Hendrix, Sigmund mm-hmm. Manstein, Steve Vai, Mark Knopfler, David Gilmore, Jimmy Page, all these like legends. So mm-hmm. I took a lot of information from them until um, 19 years old. Probably I meet this guy who was into the jazz, and then I get into like Django Reinhardt and swing jazz, and I was transformed to the 1930s back. Mm-hmm. That I will uh-huh. start playing only swing jazz and mm-hmm. 1930s music, like with mm-hmm. a violin. Mm-hmm. And I got caught there for like good like three years, and then I came out again, and then I start doing bands like. Everything, reggae, cumbia, rock. Um, well, I need to make one heavy metal band, but <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but I've been like, you know, as you see, like, oh, as an old person, I would say, like, I've been, like, working 
in music for a long time. Um, finally, at, at this point of like being on quarantine was like perfect for me to like pick up guitar again and it's like start all these all like rusty things what we used to like do and but yeah I got into into the guitar now more and more and thanks to Bina like keep it the fire up to come over and it's like practice more and more mm. man yeah that's uh, you have a diverse range of genres you play um you know heavy metal rock um you know jazz wow um this is this is kind of a, a technical question or something. I, I'm thinking of asking guitarists like, when you're studying other guitarists, how do you learn like the techniques? Like, would you just do you just learn like scales or do you just well, just the, the we use you know, now we use songs. a lot like information. Uh, like we have the apps like you can get the notes you can get the chords you can get the lyrics and then you transport that to the guitar um once you pick up the first uh scale that you say in in, in guitar then you can transport that to different notes with the same figure you just put in different places and it will make different notes so it would be easy to, to do to transport that into the guitar. Um, now, more than I used to do, it was more listening to the people. And back in the day when I didn't have that much information, I would like repeat the tape, the cassette, you know, like repeat it and repeat it until like, I get it from the beginning to the song until the end. Like just listening, like where can I catch like the guitar at the point, trying to copy Robbie Krieger from The Doors. Um, I didn't have that much information about guitars, like, and the style. But I did it, yeah, when I was 16. I was like, you know, I'm just going to go through the song from the beginning to the end, taking every note and trying to copy as much as I can, as perfect as I can, what is music. And I did that with other friends. It was great experience, and after that, that feeling, like, I was like, no, I want to have this feeling forever. Mm-hmm. So I keep playing music and just, you know, trying to be, unfortunately, no now, like, playing shows, but hopefully in the future we can play some shows around, and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to express that energy, and hopefully people will like it, enjoy it, and bring peaceful for everything. Uh, uh. Hmm. Yeah, I've been... One thing I was curious about was with the two of you for your band. Um, yeah, how do you two, you know, learn songs together um, for your performances and, and things like that? Like, how does that process go? Yeah, so um, for the covers, um, a lot of times it'll be a song I, that I'm obsessed with, like Kate Bush songs or Florence the Machine or whatever. So mm-hmm. we play it and then Paco's really good at like hearing the chords and like figuring them out. And if, mm. if we can't, we could just look it up because it's, you know, the chords are all on the internet um, and that helps too. And so then we just practice it and Paco's very creative with guitar. So he's good at like changing it up a little bit, like running with it, which is cool. Um, mm. In terms of originals, that's a little harder. Um, I used to make a lot of like garage band songs like I would just use loops in GarageBand and put them together and then sing the song over it like ones that I'd written and so some of them are based on that some of them are based on different collaboration I had done with this guy that I met on Reddit Mm -hmm. um and sometimes uh I have a keyboard over here so sometimes 
I'll like try and figure some out, out some notes on the keyboard that mm. sound good with varying levels of success <laughs> and then bring that. And then we work on it based, you know, from there. Oh, okay. Um, you already have songs on SoundCloud. I was curious how, you know, those songs were produced and I was hearing keyboard on those songs. And I was curious um, who did Most those are our garage band loops yeah oh okay Okay. and those are a lot of the old ones those are from beginning of quarantine so Mm. um some of them are like still like the words are the same like i i use the words but um we try like for example the odyssey is one of them garden of hearts is another be quiet my restless mind or shut up your heartless head those are all older ones but um now we play it like we can play it live rather than just on the garage band loops and then um What's the other one? Oh, the drunken son was a uh, um, the instrumental was produced by this guy I met on Reddit. His name's Ian. He's really great with mm. instruments, and so we've kind of based it on that. I don't think that one's on SoundCloud though. Mm. Um, yeah. What is what has been your experience with producing? You talked about using GarageBand and using loops and arranging them. Um, yeah. How has that process been for you? It's been pretty fun. I've learned a lot about music in the meantime. The loops were really all I could manage at first because I didn't know what chords were what or, you know, how to play the piano at all until I started taking lessons. And so um, that was kind of my introduction into it, like training wheels almost. Mm -hmm. And then I have this microphone. I'm not using it now, but it glows different colors, which is cool. But um, so I would record in my room based on like with that and then try and add like different effects like reverb and stuff um mm-hmm. don't really know how to mix music was just experimenting with the different settings but it's been fun it's been fun for sure and then like trying out layering and like harmonizing with myself at mm-hmm. different points mm-hmm. so it's been it's been a really good learning experience man that's awesome yeah i love you know when artists have their home set up and they're recording and getting their ideas out so that's really yeah. creative man okay yeah so brenna um yeah. Brenna, tell me about the influence of classical and medieval literature on oh, your yeah, writing. Sure. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, I wrote my thesis on medieval female saints. Um, it's a really interesting topic to me. I think I read 24 medieval hagiographies, which are oh. saint biographies. And um, I, uh, so my thesis is on the concept of metanoia, which is like turning, or it's the Greek for t- literally turning your mind around or changing your mind which is really central in the bible but it's often um it's often translated as repentance and it's not really the same thing Mm -hmm. and so it's about how different medieval female saints either persisted in gender stereotypes to their death or um broke those gender stereotypes or did something in between in order to um to change their own minds around or change the mind of others around them depending on their particular situation and so um Mm -hmm. I have been really fascinated with um, medieval female saints and just medieval gender and religion in general for um, a few years now. And so that's come into my writing and that um, I think a lot of those concepts are interesting. I've written some songs about either some of them are medieval, some aren't, but female saints like Mary Magdalene, that one's not on SoundCloud, I don't think, but um, I've got a song about her. Um, I wrote some other ones too, but they're kind of on the back burner right now. Um, but I just think the concepts they espouse are really fascinating, um, especially like asceticism. Asceticism is something I wrote a lot about um, because uh, there's this really great book by Carolyn Walker Bynum um, called Holy Feast and Holy Fast. It's about the religious significance of food to medieval women. Mm-hmm. And um, those women 
although it wasn't healthy for them, like physically, they use suffering as a way to get closer to God because suffering is like the human experience of God, you know, like the whole mm. Jesus thing and all that. And I'm, right. I don't mean to, I'm not, I, th- I find religion really fascinating. I don't um, necessarily agree with all the things that humans do for religion, but I think it's a really fascinating concept. And um, a lot of the practices are really interesting to me. So anyways, all of that goes into the writing and um, like the role of suffering in the human experience and um, my own experiences also impact the writing too. Mm, That was mm. like a lot. Sorry. (laughs) No, I'm following you. And, you know, it's, I have a couple questions that actually that concept of human suffering and Christianity has been something that has intrigued me because, you know, in terms of the the reason that we're on earth, we're getting existential here and things, but, (laughs) you know, the reason we're on earth and, you know, a lot of, you know, Christianity is about suffering. And then I think about, well, actually, uh, I study I'm in a clinical psychology program um, PhD program and for my dissertation I'm looking at like well-being and resilience so um, there's two types in positive psychology you might be familiar with this but in positive psychology there's um, essentially like two branches of like well-being so there's the hedonic and that's like seeking pleasure and being um, you know just happy all the time essentially and then there's um, eudaimonic well-being, and that's you know Aristotle's classic um, concept about essentially living a life of virtue. And um, the eudaimonic one is more about pushing through adversity and challenges to become your best self. So um, you know that the idea of suffering in Christianity is just interesting to me. About you know how much should we suffer and kind of put ourselves down versus you know kind of have self effort like self affirmations feel positively about ourselves right. or even um yeah experience you know joy and things like that and forgive ourselves so that's kind of been something interesting i mean in your in your research and um in your thoughts kind of what what intrigues you about you know the that their concepts of suffering and you know self kind of discipline and yeah yeah what I'm definitely somewhere in the middle I'm so excited you brought up eudaimonia because I took Latin and Greek in high school and my Latin teacher would always talk about it because it comes from the Greek and um and so that's um that's a great question I think probably it should be somewhere in the middle um in terms of my own personal experience I used to think that you had to suffer for art and Mm. suffer for like being succeeding um I have bipolar disorder and so Mm -hmm. that has been something that's influenced my work quite a bit um and I always looked up to you know like Virginia Woolf Sylvia Plath like the Mm -hmm. ones who didn't make it and I you know Mm -hmm. for a while I thought well they were so great when they were manic and they just had to pay the price but I don't believe that anymore Mm -hmm. um I don't think suffering for suffering's sake is necessarily productive or necessary Mm -hmm. now I don't think the saints were wrong for doing that like that was you know, they had a very specific cultural milieu and stuff like that. Um, and I don't believe in hedonism either, but I don't think suffering just for suffering's sake is, is, as I said, productive or necessary. I don't think, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the whole idea of the tortured artist, I mean, Mm -hmm. 
So Florence the Machine wrote this piece back um, a few years ago. Well, Florence Welch from Florence the Machine, the whole band mm. didn't write it, but okay. um, she is you know recovering from alcoholism, and she mm. wrote this piece about how you know when she said it's something like this when um, when you know, when the whole idea of the suffering artist or the tortured artist is perpetuated, the art eventually stops because there's, they, they don't make it. Um, mm, mm. Seven club and all that. Um, right, and right. that's really sad because it doesn't perpetuate the art. The art stops once mm. the person's gone. And yeah. so, and we've lost a lot of artists to preventable causes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, that was long winded as well, but um, that's oh, kind of yeah. on human suffering. I don't think suffering for suffering's sake is necessarily virtuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Aestheticism is still super interesting, um, but it's never worked in my life to, to, to be ascetic. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, don't worry about, you know, being long winded. I'm following and, you know, and I, I enjoy this conversation. Um, you know, when you are writing on these, um, figures these you know women figures from the medieval times are you kind of putting yourself in their shoes um kind of are you writing from their perspective and you know you also say you bring up your your own experiences as well so are you kind of imagining yourself in medieval times um in that setting how does that work with your stories and your songs it's kind of a mixture like mixture um some of them are almost like interviews of the medieval people like magdalena the song i wrote about mary magdalene which uh i don't think we've performed yet um but it's uh it asks like how did you feel when you saw that like this you know the stone had been rolled away and jesus was there and like how lonely is that um but some of them are more from like and same with like joan of arc like i i'm obsessed with joan of arc um this is her coat of arms sweet but um so I definitely identify with certain aspects of their story. And so I kind of dig into that. Um, And some of them, like, for example, the story of Samson and Delilah, I've got a song called Accidental Delilah, which we're still working on. Um, And if you take divine favor out of it, Delilah was kind of the hero in the story because she was, you know, Samson killed a ton of her people and she was taking down a man who was so strong that he could make anyone cower. And that's kind of not fair. that's my view of it at least I just think about stuff like that a lot and so yeah I kind of look at them from my perspective but also try and take in some of their perspective like how much how must these people have felt how how did Joan of Arc feel you know probably horrible but Hmm. um she didn't even reach 20 um Hmm. and so sympathizing with them while maintaining some kind of distance you know Hmm. so I can't sympathize with them too much right because I'm not them Hmm. or empathize I guess is a better word hmm um, you have this concept, the cosmic mundane. Yeah, oh, tell yeah. me about that. Yeah, yeah. so that was the original uh, original unofficial name. I can't, the website is still stuck there. Like, I can't get all of it to change over. Mm-hmm. So another poem that I wrote quite a while ago, it's called, well, it goes, it's short. It goes, cosmic mundaneity is a gift unto itself. A supernova resides within a streetlight. And wait. A supernova resides within a street lamp. And each sunset is a rebirth of the moon who calls me, but my feet stay stuck to earth. So it's the idea Mm -hmm. of, I almost forgot it there, but it's the (laughs) idea of like finding really beautiful, like cosmic things and very mundane items, like a street lamp, like it's just a normal thing. But Mm. if you think of it, it's like, it's kind of beautiful. Like seeing it at night when, when the light, when there's no light and that's what's giving the light. It's like, 
so it's kind of the juxtaposition of the cosmic and the mundane. Mm-hmm. The cosmic in the mundane. Uh, yeah, I really like that. Um, I've let me see. I've been seeing um, kind of the for myself, like the the beauty and kind of the ordinary yeah. types of things. So that that resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious um, for both of you if you know your experiences moving from Indiana and Ecuador to DC. If that comes out in your music, Paco, you want to go first? Definitely, it it brings um, music from Ecuador for me to DC, and immediately absorb DC as uh, the go-go like the folklore of DC and put everything, even if it's like a rock or pop, or in this case, like indie, um, I will definitely, you can feel some of the traditional melodies of, of like the Inca music a little bit, will I say, but yeah, definitely influenced like the place that I'm born and the music that I brought from there to here and get, you unite with this music and bring a bro like a nice project with all this enthusiastic so i was like it's um i like uh when i see people with other kind of music coming and and you know share and then we can create different like melodies and but yeah my music definitely is some of the south american mm-hmm. flavor i would say oh nice nice um yeah we recently had on um a Colombian American band, um, the Sun Washington, and they one of the genres they do is cumbia. So it's really cool to learn. Yeah, I that. I share I share a stage with the Sun Washington. Like oh. I love the cumbia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet, that's exciting. <laughs> um. So in terms of Indiana, I not much in Indiana has influenced me just because I wasn't really doing music back then. I mean, I would go to concerts in Chicago and stuff, but it was nothing major um in dc however like since i was an adult at that point i gone to a lot of local like 10 20 concerts that have been really great and i love the local music scene in dc outside of COVID, obviously um and it's been really great to have resources like the just rock open mic um Mm -hmm. another open mic we went to that was entirely country except for us which was kind of funny (laughs) um but yeah so the music community in dc has been really great even in like the short time i've been doing this Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always um, exciting for me to see there's so much talent in the D.C. Yeah. area. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm curious also was, you know, kind of Kate Bush and Florence Welsh's influence on you, you know, kind of what about them sticks out to you and, and resonates with you? Yeah. Um, so I've been listening to Florence for quite a while. Um, I've seen her in concert four times and I cried mm-hmm. every time. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> Yeah, I saw her. Um, I saw her. She was in Maryland, maybe in like 2013. Post, post, oh, 2013. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say I saw her at uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion, maybe like a year ago or something oh, like that. Okay. Um, I think maybe it was the same one, but um, mm-hmm. no, yeah. So I really love her music because she's just kind of very um, she's so authentic. She's got so much energy, and it's just mm-hmm. like um, this chaotic, but like beautiful whirlwind of energy and ideas and that really speaks to me and it really resonates with me because I feel like 
it's music that can describe my inner life to like a certain degree um mm. so and i love like all the orchestral instruments um mm. in her mm. especially in her latter albums well even mm. even the early ones um so just obsessed with florence and the machine they're just so good and then um uh kate bush i actually only started listening to kate bush like probably during quarantine or maybe just before it, um, my roommate introduced me to her. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, the first song I heard that I really liked was Cloud Busting. But of course I love Wuthering Heights and Running Up That Hill and Babushka mm-hmm. and all of them. I love all of okay. them. Mm-hmm. Um, and with her too, she's just so eccentric and um, in, a, in a very positive way. And I really am drawn to that because mm-hmm. like I'm a fairly eccentric person. So I love other people who can like mm-hmm. use that and like own it. Like it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so um that's kind of and I just like the style of their music as well so that's influenced Mm. me a lot and my songwriting too Mm. yeah you know there's a to your music and your performances there is an avant-garde element you know that you know I really enjoy and appreciate and you know I'm a reserved person so when I see that on stage um you know it's inspiring and it's fun um so you know even like your performance it um influenced me and inspired me to like move my arms a little bit more when I went up <laughs> on stage so Thank you. yeah I um, did some of those dance moves from the live version of James and the Cold Gun um, uh, I think I lifted quite a bit of them <laughs> okay I think I, I might have caught a, a couple of them there yeah I went and watched um the live the live performance of it so um that yeah so I can I can see that how that comes through you know, I'm curious about, you know, when the song, you know, Be Quiet, My Restless Mind, and, you know, you did mention your, um, like, bipolar diagnosis, and I was curious, kind of, if that was kind of birthed out of, you know, maybe, like, feeling really, like, riled up and kind of manic. It definitely has something to do with that. So I wrote that song at the end of high school. I wasn't diagnosed until 2017 when I was like 19 mm. after I stayed awake for three days. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, they gave me a med that like had a really bad reaction. So I stayed mm. awake for three days. Anyways, mm. so, but this was pre that. Um, and like, I definitely had those mood swings, but I had no idea where they were coming from. So it was kind of like, be quiet, restless mind or shut up, you heartless head, whatever gets it to stop. And um, the song, the the first verse is, uh, I never thought I'd be the type to suddenly go insane. I thought you needed drugs or booze or a poorly wired brain. And at the time, like, I mean, in high school, I was really into running. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't ever party or anything. And so I was very confused as to why I was feeling this way. And I really didn't know where to go with it. And so it kind of came out sideways in that, in that song. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and not all of it, like, is a direct correlation but uh, it does have a lot to do with that yeah a lot of my songs have a lot to do with like mental health stuff and mm-hmm. um just as metaphors mm-hmm. hmm. let me see okay so yes and you know you you also did the performance series on harmonic heart and you perform you know some live songs that people can see there as well mm-hmm. that are great Hmm. let me see I feel like we we've talked about a lot today and I, I feel like there's so much that we could you know go into but I think um you know what are you two excited about you know for this band and what are you looking forward to I really want a gig I think that would be super fun once like things start opening up with COVID Paco mm. what about you 
Well, definitely a gig will be the goal. Uh, but actually, I'm trying to like uh, let open uh, people to like come enjoy different like styles. And for me, this style is a little different of the others. So it's pretty interesting working out everything and start like the song we were talking about was like she created like four days ago and three days ago, we just play it. So everything's mm-hmm. coming fast, which I like it. And yeah, I have a good feeling like, you know, people is going to enjoy it and mm-hmm. have a good time at the same time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it would be cool if we could get a heart player. That's like adding mm-hmm. more people to the mix is like uh-huh. definitely a goal, <laughs> like and a harp especially, or like a violin or something that would be sick. Oh, true. Yeah, our player is like a copy, you know, like playing the the art right. there. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah. just adding more people is also a goal. Mm. Yeah, I can see that for y'all, kind of, you know, like that the Florence, the the orchestral <laughs> elements. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that would sound great musically, and it would be, you know, just fun additions to your, um, yeah, to your performances. So. Um, yeah, where can people follow you and um, and keep up with you? Yeah, on Instagram, um, it's after, I believe it's after underscore the underscore martyrs. And then we've got a website. It's um it's like brennacarroll.wixsite.com slash after the martyrs or something along those lines. I can send mm. it. And then our YouTube is also after the martyrs, but that's the channel name. So that has a mm. bunch of like live performances, like from the open mic, from other stuff. Um, one time we went to Great Falls and filmed James and the Cold Gun there. That was fun. So it's got all that stuff. Mm. YouTube's probably the best resource. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, and you guys have some, you know, quite quite a few, um, yeah, like live performances on your YouTube that are really cool mm-hmm. to see. So people should watch them. I think we're freezing up here a little bit. Um, <laughs> but is there anything else that you want the people to know? Anything you want? Um, you think you know you want to share today um no we covered a lot what about you Paco I would like people to know like um freedom is there and it's easy to take it Mm, mm. I love that yeah um yeah I mean I think about you know how music grants me you know a feeling of freedom and, you know, we are recording this when, um, you know, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have been, you know, elected as the new president and vice president. So, you know, it's definitely, you know, hopeful time um, for us, for many people, you know, in the country to, you know, be safe and feel more protected and at ease. So, um, yeah. mm-hmm, definitely. Well, um, yeah, it's really been enjoyable talking with both of you um learning more about your process and um just y'all in general i you know love to you know continue you know talking more and you're you're always welcome to to come back on the show so thank you so much (laughs) it was really nice talking with you as well (laughs) yeah yeah definitely thanks okay everybody go ahead and follow thank you very much (laughs) oh my pleasure